It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football prop expert, Chris Dell. You guys can get him on Twitter as well, at MadJournalist. And you can find us both trolling around pregame.com. All right. NFL Week 7 recap. Chris, you and I are going to go through all the games that have been completed. Uh, we won't talk about Thursday. We won't talk about the game that's on now or tomorrow night's game. So we'll go ahead. We'll get everybody up to date on what we pretty much what we saw on Sunday. And we'll go through each and every game. And we'll uh, we'll highlight, you know, kind of the highlights, lowlights, and uh, talk about all the players. Let's start it out with Detroit and Atlanta, Chris. Crazy game today with that one. You know, when our podcast on Wednesday, I had mentioned it. I'm like, look, man, Atlanta, they create ways. You know, they find ways to lose. And, you know, the the one of the things that's really plagued that team has been coaching and their defense. And sure enough, uh, coaching and their defense today have really hurt that team. And uh, Stafford had a great game today. You know, at the end, I mean, he, he kind of looked pedestrian for the most part. Galladay looked really good. Um, I didn't really take a whole lot out of that except – you know, I, I kind of tried to warn everybody about Atlanta on our podcast. And, you know, this is the, this is how they lose. This is how they screw the betters. And, you know, this is a team that, that you really can't trust just because, you know, they have one good game and their offense erupts, you know, and their offense is going to erupt at times. But, you know, it's a team you just want to be careful of. You know, they're 1-6, and six, they're 0-4 at home. Um, you know, it, it's going to be hard for you guys to go ahead and, and trust that team, you know, with your money. Uh, I did have a prop play in that one. I had Todd Gurley over 62 and a half rushing yards. Gave that out uh, Friday night. <clears throat> and uh, it ended up where Gurley ended up with 63. So if you guys jumped on that and got the 62 and a half, uh, things worked out well for you. But if you got the 63 and a half, uh, things didn't work out so well. Uh, I don't have really much else on that game, Chris. That's pretty much what I saw. Not surprised by the Falcons' loss. Not surprised that Stafford, you know, led led the Lions down the field to go ahead and get a win. What did you see in that one? Yeah, not too much out of the ordinary in this game. And like you mentioned with Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons and their ability to lose games in these types of ways, a lot of people wanted to blame Dan Quinn. And while I don't, I don't think he – it's not like he didn't deserve any blame, but just go back and do your history on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when Raheem Morris was the head coach there. and Read up on some of the sports columnist commentary – I mentioned before, uh, my, my father's a retired sports columnist. That's how I got into the business, my, into the media business myself a long time ago. But uh, he used to cover the Bucks, And uh, let's just say that I've heard a lot of stories about Raheem Morris from those days, and they weren't very good. So anyways, uh, you, you know, you see with the Atlanta Falcons, now we've had back-to-back games with Julio Jones healthy. And you're, you're seeing a boost from everyone else's production, probably outside of Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's still solid in this game. Um Hayden Hurst plays better when Julio's on the field. Russell Gage plays better. Matt Ryan plays better when Julio's on the field. And you're seeing those guys soak up a pretty clear target share here. Julio Jones had nine targets. Each of those three other guys I mentioned had seven targets. No one else on the team more than three targets. So I I think that's some consistency we can look to bet on in the right type of matchup. And and just in terms of matchups and props for fantasy, and we'll kind of intertwine those on this podcast, uh, I want to play the, the opposing number one receiver against the Falcons defense because that this is a secondary that we want to attack, whereas the Falcons run D is actually quite underrated. So, um, you know, th- I actually put out three plays on my prop article in this game. We went two and one. We won with Julio over five and a half catches. 
We won with Galladay over 74 and a half receiving yards, finished with 114 on the day. And then on the Money Picks podcast, uh, I also gave out Adrian Peterson under rushing, which uh, cleared pretty easily. It was 42 and a half when we gave it out. He he only had 29 yards rushing. Uh, The only thing I got to say in terms of DeAndre Swift as a fantasy asset, you're seeing him split carries with Peterson in the box score. But Swift is getting what we call all the high-value touches, which is goal line work plus receiving work if you're playing in PPR. So I do think Swift is a, is a decent buy-low type of candidate if someone's looking to sell him right now. And Galladay, the number one alpha wide receiver in this offense now, he's had two games back healthy and his role is only growing. So that, those are my main takeaways for fantasy and prop-wise moving forward. Yeah, that was a good call by you today to go and grab DJ Moore. I actually plugged him into a, a player prop parlay. It didn't cash, but... You know, if they do cash, they pay a lot of money where you can get a guy to score like two TDs. He was one of the guys I had in there. So uh, that was a great pick by you. Let's jump over to the next game here. Cleveland, Cincinnati. Cleveland 37, Cincinnati 34. That was a that was an exciting game today. Baker Mayfield had a pretty decent day. Uh, started out really slow. I was like, what the hell, man? I'm like, they got to get rid of this guy. And then he just he caught fire. He ended up completing like. I think it was like 18 straight passes or something like that. He actually broke like a, a franchise record or something like that. But he ends up having five TDs. Uh, you know, he, he he really turned his game around today. But I don't know really what we pull from it. It is the Bengals' defense. But, um, you know, I give credit to Burrow. I mean, Burrow looks like he's going to be a franchise quarterback, you know, for a long time in this league. He had 406 yards in this game. Uh, Boyd, another guy I had two TDs on today, but I, I should have played his his receiving yards over. He had a big day. He had 11 catches on 13 targets for 101 yards. Um, Chris, you had mentioned that Odell might be out for the year. I actually saw the play. I went back, watched it, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell he did there. I thought maybe he might have dislocated a kneecap or something like that. There's definitely something going on. I don't know if it would be an ACL or something like that because, you know, when I watched the play, I'm like, all right, well, it looked like he just, you know, banged a guy. You know, maybe unlike the rib area or the shoulder pad area when he jumped up like that. So I don't know what to make of it. Hopefully he's not out because I have him in my fantasy league. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm hoping he's not out. But it didn't look like it was, you know, it didn't look like a, an ACL or something like that. It looked like maybe it was a, a dislocated kneecap. So hopefully news comes back positive on him. Uh, big day from Kareem Hunt. I know you were on him, Chris. Uh, he, had a, he had a really good day today. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I took out of that game. Nothing really. I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I thought the game would go over. It went over. Scored 71 total points. Mm, I don't know. That's about it. I didn't really take too much out of that one. Gio Bernard had a decent day. Yeah, Gio Bernard, he uh, saved his fantasy day, catching that touchdown at the end, put him about 20 PPR points, which was nice. I I, I was uh, picked him off the waivers and started him about half my leagues this week. I, I, needed, I needed some depth at RB, so that really helped me out a lot. And uh, Joe Mixon's not even a sure shot to be back yet for week eight. He might miss another week. And wh- why rush it, right? Because the, the Bengals are 1-5-1. and one. Uh, uh, They're looking towards the future. So I think he's still worth stashing on your bench uh, as we kind of sort through like the health status of Mixon for not just next week, but for the rest of the season to see how serious that injury is. So I would be looking there uh, just overall for future values and fantasy. But with the Bengals overall, I mean, we're seeing – and just like what, kind of kind of like what I mentioned with the Falcons, but this is actually a more clear pecking order. And I, I, this is actually one of the things we let off with Sleepy on the Money Picks pod was I mentioned that all the numbers were soft for T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd. Uh, I didn't make a play on them. First off, because 
I'm a shameless Bengals fan, and I try not to bet on my team as much as possible because I know there's always some type of like subliminary bias in there. Uh, but I, I did know that all the lines were soft, and I was like, I, th- I think what I said was at least two of the three are going to hit the overs. And what happened, Sleepy? All three hit the overs. So in hindsight, you know, obviously 2020 there, but uh, you know, you would have bet all three of those overs. You would have cashed all three. And I think that's something you actually look you you got to start looking towards with this team because it is a clear top three pecking order, and uh, maybe it's actually a top two pecking order because Tyler Boyd and AJ Green each had 13 targets in this game. And A.J. Green, as much as you want to hate on older players, uh, a quiet seven catches, 82 yards. I say quiet because he didn't score any touchdowns. But if you can buy low on him with the amount of dropbacks that Burrow's going to be doing, the amount of negative game scripts, this is why I like Teddy Bridgewater so much in the offseason and fantasy as a late-round quarterback value is because if we know a team's going to be trailing so much, the quarterback is competent, the, the surrounding weapons are competent, this is what we're getting now in Cincinnati, and they're not going to be ashamed to drop back and sling it all over the field here. So I will be looking to buy A.J. Green in fantasy because he's he's plugged into to solid air yards and targets every single week. And, 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 you know, he missed a lot of time. So earlier in the season, he was struggling with the volume. Last couple of weeks, he's really put some some solid stat lines together. So that's my main takeaway uh, from this game. And, and then you mentioned the OBJ. What I heard so far, Sleepy, is that it might be an MCL injury. Uh, we'll obviously know more tomorrow. We're recording here Sunday night around 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, but you saw Landry got way more involved once OBJ left. And Jarvis Landry wound up finishing with uh, six targets tied with a shard Higgins. But uh, he, he was he you saw a big spike in his usage after OBJ went out. And I think actually Landry fits Baker's style a little better. Uh, I think Baker is better at those short, intermediate type of throws. He's not the best deep ball thrower, at least from what I've seen this year and last year. So it might actually help Baker be a little more consistent and and be a little less turnover prone because he's not going to be kind of force feeding it to his main number one with no OBJ there. So I'm not saying they're a better team without OBJ, but that's kind of my takeaway on how it affects Baker. Deeper leagues, you're going to look to pick up Higgins. You're going to look to pick up uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who had 56 receiving yards in this game. And as long as Hooper's out, two tight end sets, you're going to look to play Harrison Bryant and Njoku as streaming options. So that, that's kind of what I got for this game. Uh, Prop-wise, you want to play your tight ends versus the Browns. I'm going to be looking at Darren Waller next week. Uh, the Browns are at the Raiders, minus three favorites on the road. And then uh, Bengals versus Titans. Bengals are plus four and a half at, the, uh, at home against the Titans here. So uh, that's kind of just my overall thoughts on this game. Yeah, I didn't have the greatest day prop-wise. Um I did hit the Baker Mayfield over 230 passing yards. I was really happy that the that the Bengals were at least able to go down, you know, and get back on the board there and put Baker in a in a situation where he was going to have to throw the go ahead and, and the win the game. So um, I did cash that one. I was happy about that. Uh, let's jump over to the Steelers here, Chris. They are now six and zero. Tennessee Titans five and one. Look, Tennessee fought back, and I think you know if you look at this game and you look at Tennessee. I think you have to go ahead and say, look, this team made proper adjustments. Things weren't going well for them in the first half. Um, you know, Tannehill wasn't wasn't really sharp. Pittsburgh kind of, you know, they boggled down Henry in that first half. But in the second half, you know, Tennessee played well. They outscored Pittsburgh 17-3. to And I think Goskowski, more than likely, I mean, just gut feeling. I don't know if you agree with me, Chris, but I have a feeling he's not on the team tomorrow. Uh, this guy's missed way too many field goals this season. And, you know, for a team like Tennessee, who, you know, very well, they might need a kicker when, you know, when they get into the playoffs. I mean, that team is clearly a playoff team. I mean, they might be a Super Bowl team. 
Uh, the team's just loaded. They're stacked all over. They got to get a kicker uh, some way, somehow. Uh, I'm trying to think of what. I'm trying to think of what the hell, what prop play I had in that one. I'll have to remember in a little bit here. Uh, Corey Davis showed up today. Chris, he, he had uh, six catches today and a touchdown. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, I had Deontay Johnson, Chris. That's who I had. I had him with two TDs in uh, another prop mixed in with a, a couple other guys that, that didn't hit the board. Uh, he had a big game today. Juju showed up today, too. He had a big game, too. 15 targets for Deontay Johnson, 14, 14 for Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, I thought, you know, those teams played well. Big Ben, you know. If he doesn't throw three picks, I, I wonder I wonder what the score looks like at the end of the game. But, I mean, you have to give credit to, to Tennessee. I mean, they fought back. They played well in the second half. And, uh, I mean, they could have very well ended up in overtime and ended up with a win, but their kicker uh, let them down. What did you see in that one? Yeah, so if you're listening to any mainstream media, radio, et cetera, reading stuff this week, and you're seeing analysts say that, like, oh, well, the Titans are the, were the 5-0 and frauds, just, you just got to ignore that type of stuff. It's just clickbait because these are two good football teams, man. Like, you know, the Titans on any given week could beat the Steelers, I think, and the Steelers on any given week can beat the Titans. And I think anybody saying that one team was a fraud versus another team being a contender, I think both teams are clear contenders in this AFC conference. Um, and overall – I mean, Deontay Johnson, man, oh, so unfortunate. He he uh, he got banged up in this game. He had 14 targets and didn't even finish the full game. And Big Ben was just looking to him, looking to him with you know hearts in his eyes type of emoji stuff. Like almost every single big play, first down throws, third down throws. He was looking towards Deontay. Even on a hail mary, he got intercepted uh, by I think it was at the end of the first half. He was throwing it deep to Deontay Johnson, who was being like double, triple covered down the field. So when Deontay's in there, let's not get it twisted. He is the number one receiver in that offense. It's just unfortunate. At first, it was a concussion. Then two weeks ago, it was a back injury. Now it's an ankle injury. So hopefully the injury is not too serious. Hopefully he can stay healthy because he did. He was healthy all last year when he played. So let's not call him injury prone just yet. Just maybe a little bit unlucky with the injuries there. But Juju and Deontay combined for 59% of the targets in this offense. 29 targets to them out of 49 Big Ben attempts. So very impressed to see the bounce back from Juju's usage there. Uh, he doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't look the same to me just from the eye test. He looks a little slower and clunkier than I've seen from him in years past. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries as well. I think that haven't even been reported. I think just stuff he was coming into earlier in the season with a knee issue and whatnot. So, uh, you know, James Connors, the bell cow. And I think, you know, it all depends on Deontay's health status, but if you want to sell Chase Claypool, because if Deontay is healthy and in the lineup, Claypool is going to be that third type of receiver. They're going to use him on some gadget rushing attempts, but his targets are not going to be consistent unless Deontay is out. So I think you want to wait and see on that and how it goes. Claypool's name value could maybe bring you something from how he's torn it up the last couple of weeks. Uh, other than that, you know, Eric Ebron got back into the mix. He's a top 10 tight end streamer. He had eight targets, clear third in the pecking order here in this game. Um, and and that's, that's pretty much it. You know, we talked about on the podcast that the the two props uh, uh, that I, t- I actually talked about one on the on the Money Picks podcast, which was Derrick Henry under that wound up cashing. Uh, I, I shied away from it on the article because the more I looked into it and the game script and the Titans being favored, I was like, oh man, he could have thirty carries for ninety yards, average three yards a carry, and still get there. So 
Uh, although I gave it out on the podcast, I didn't give it out in the article, but I did give out James Conner over rushing on the article, and that cleared pretty easily. And like I said, he's the clear bell cow in that offense. So uh, that, that's kind of my takeaways here. You want to you want to fade running backs going up against the Steelers' run defense. And uh, against the Titans' defense, they can't seem to stop the run or the pass. So I'm going to target the Bengals' passing attack again in Week 8 uh, against the Titans' secondary that's been exploitable this year. So uh, probably start with uh, A.J. Brown against the Bang- Bengals and, lo- and look to buy into the Bengals' wide receivers against the Titans on the other side in that one. So, Chris, what happened with Claypool? Because he only had one target all day. He had one catch minus two yards. Did he get hurt, or was he just simply a non-factor in the game today? No, he was a, he was a non-factor. He was running routes on the field, but uh, Big Ben was looking to Deontay. I, I, you know, people you some, sometimes people need to chill out on the overreactions to one or two weeks of fantasy performances, especially from a rookie. Because we knew that that was the first thing that I said two weeks ago when Claypool had his first of two back-to-back blow-up games. I was like, man, because I own Deontay in a lot of leagues. I'm in like six leagues. He's on half my teams. And I'm like, man, that could have been Deontay Johnson. And obviously Claypool is very talented, but his routes were down. He's running routes ahead of James Washington as the third receiver, but the targets just aren't there. And in in such a pass-heavy game from Big Ben, the the fact his target share was under 10%. That definitely worries me. So, like I said, it's all about Deontay's health status. Claypool can step in for Deontay if need be, but if they're all in the field together, Claypool is going to be an inconsistent third option on that team with big play potential, but also potential for a lot of down weeks like you saw today. Yeah, you know, I was racking my brain to try to figure out what the hell prop I gave out for this game, and I remember when we went through this game, uh, I didn't give a prop out, but you and I both fell on the over in that one, and we liked that one when it was at like 50, 50 and a half and ended up at, at 51. So if anybody followed our our recommendation on that, I don't know where that line exactly closed today, but it looked like we had a, at least a decent game in that one. Let's jump over to New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers. Um, yeah, I didn't hit my 37-1 play today, but Marquez Calloway uh, certainly was the number one receiver in that, in that offense today. I mean, he had 10 targets, 8 catches, 75 yards. Uh, really thankful I picked him up. Didn't get the touchdown. I guess something happened in the game. I, I wasn't watching it, Chris. And I guess maybe Traquan Smith did something and screwed up a, a catch for Callaway. Maybe he would have ended up hitting the board. I don't know necessarily what happened. But then I did see a, a questionable tag on his name, so I don't know if Callaway got hurt. Um, I don't really have a whole lot from, from the Saints. On the other side, you know, DJ Moore played well today. As I mentioned, he had two two touchdowns today. I mean, I didn't know really what to make of the Panthers. I thought for sure that they were probably in a pretty decent spot to go ahead and cover the game. The seven and a half was 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 a really good number, um, and we had mentioned, you know, with the Saints, you know, having guys out of that lineup, at least you know Emmanuel Sanders and and Thomas not playing, that that was really going to hamper them, and and it did. I mean, the Saints had to go ahead and, and you know kick a field goal there in the fourth quarter. Carolina couldn't get anything going there in the fourth quarter, and the Saints come away with the win, but. No, overall, I think I'm, I'm. I keep being more and more impressed. You know, even when Carolina loses, that's a good football team. So I don't think that that's a team that we should, you know, look to go ahead and fade just because their record's three and four. Um, uh, that's about it. Uh, Kamara had a pretty good day today. 160. What do you have? 140 or 150 total yards, but no touchdowns. I'm sure a lot of fantasy people were pissed off about that. Uh, that's about all I really took out of that one. Not not really excited. I, I guess I was really pissed off that I didn't get a touchdown from Traquan or Callaway. 
Yeah, I, that's what I was saying. I was worried about that. I was like, what if Deontay Harris and, and Jared Cook get the touchdowns? And, and what do you know? Those are the guys that score the touchdowns. So, so yep. it's so unpredictable. I don't, you, you mentioned the Callaway because he had that offensive pass interference. I saw him score on Red Zone Channel. And I was like, oh, man, there he is. I was about to text you. And then I saw that the flag go down. I was like, oh, man, he pushed off. So he definitely uh, was in the mix there. He had decent usage. So you definitely hit that as like a super deep waiver pickup, at least – while Sanders and uh, and Mike and um, you know Michael Thomas remain out there, so he had uh, he had ten targets sleeping. You nailed that. I, I thought you you were a little bit high on the target projection for Callaway, but you hit it nail on the head there. He did have ten targets in that game. Had a decent fantasy day. Eight catches, seventy five yards. You cannot complain about that for Marcus. I'm guessing. I, I never looked at the receiving prop for him if it was out there, but I'm guessing it it was probably max in like they the forties or fifties. Yeah, they didn't even put it out because if that was the, if they put it out. I was going to go ahead and give that out along with a touchdown prop. And I was like, these guys are being scums. The only player that they gave any, any prop for, for any saints wide receiver was, was a touchdown prop. And that was for, or no wait, actually they did give out receiving yards. I think for Traquan Smith or it was Jared cook. It was one or the other, or actually, you know what? I think it was Kamara. I know it was like severely limited where they, they had like literally like no saints guys. And I was really pissed about that. Actually, now that I rack my brain, they didn't have any for Smith. They didn't have any for Callaway. I don't even think they had any for Cook. I think it was just Kamara at like, I think he was at like 40 or 50 receiving yards or something like that. But yeah, I would have hammered on that Callaway over because I'm like, there's no way. I would have bet Traquan Smith over too. And I don't think either of those guys would have been, you know, lined at 55. At least I don't think so. So uh, maybe that's something we could look out for next week. You know, we'll we'll double check on those Saints injuries and, and see what happens with that. But yeah, that, that's kind of what happened with that. That's why I was pissed off about that. And credit to the books, you know. I mean, they know they know when to not put themselves out there on the line because, you know, people like me and you, you know, not only are we going to bet it, but, you know, unselfishly we're going to give it out. So it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. And, and you talked about DJ Moore. And it, it's not a question of, like, who do you like more between Moore and Anderson? You, you, you like both of them. And they're they're both they're both the top dogs receiving wise in this offense here, and you're seeing DJ Moore being used in the way more in the last couple of weeks than the way we saw him used in 2019. Um, you know, obviously, obviously a lot in the short intermediate areas of the field, but also as a deep threat. So I, I like the versatility I'm seeing out of DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore over the last couple of games, obviously, he had the 74 yard long touchdown there. You know, broke free on that play. Uh, Robbie Anderson led the team in targets with eight last week. It was uh, DJ Moore with 11 to five for Robbie this week. It was Robbie with eight to five for more. So you're going to see that back and forth. I think they both have a great matchup. As I mentioned earlier, the Panthers are hosting the Falcons on Thursday night football. So that's a secondary. We definitely want to attack. I will be looking towards the overs on receptions and yards, depending on what the numbers are. Maybe we make plays on both, maybe one or the other. Uh, I personally, for me, if they're close together, I mentioned this on the money pick spot. I was like, I like DJ Moore over 67 and a half because his total is four yards lower than Anderson. I think they should basically be the same at this point. So I thought the better value was on more. Um, so that was a play that I liked. I also like Mike Davis under rushing. So we hit that pretty easily. I, I think Mike Davis had seven carries yeah, for 12 yards overall. And if you, if you look at the PFF data on Mike Davis, He's, he's been great filling in for Christian McCaffrey, don't get me wrong, but his elusiveness and broken, and broken tackle rating on PFF is one of the worst among qualified running backs in the league. So as much as I respect what he's done, 
please do not get it twisted. Once CMC is back, they paid this guy for a reason, and they're competitive this year. Like you said, Sleepy, they're going to be in the playoff race, especially with the extra wild card. Once Christian McCaffrey's back, he's back, and Mike Davis is not going to be playing very much. I just want to let people know that Christian McCaffrey could be back in a week to two weeks now, and I, I think they're going to give him the full full workload when he comes back. This is not a team that's going to tank and protect their assets right now. They want to win, and Christian McCaffrey is going to give them a better chance to win. He's a better running back than Mike Davis. So that's my main takeaway here. If you can somehow buy, maybe if the guy who owns Christian McCaffrey in your league is struggling, like after this week, he's like two and five, uh, maybe even one and six, even three and four, and he's struggling at running back, and you can give him an option that he can play next week or the week after and stash McCaffrey on your bench, I, th- I think that's a great way to go about looking to buy low on a trade target while he's still out. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to probably the most boring game of the day. Bills and Jets. Bills get it done there, 18-10. to 10, But the Bills don't score a touchdown in that game. That was a shocker. Uh, Tyler Bass ended up with, uh, what, what do you have, six field goals in that game. Uh, that that was just a tough game to watch. Cole Beasley was was obviously the story of the game. Eleven catches, 112 yards. But again, you know nobody gets in the end zone. I think fantasy wise, you were let down probably by, you know, pretty much everybody in that one. Uh, I think Diggs's catches were six and a half or five and a half. Uh, maybe you cash that one if you played that. Uh, I had a prop play on Frank Gore under 40 and a half rushing yards. That was dead after the first drive. He had 27 yards after the first drive. Uh, Gore ended up with 60 in that game, so uh, that was certainly a misfire, misread on my end. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, when we did the pod, Chris, I said, look, the, I think the Jets are going to, they might give Buffalo a little bit of a hard time. And my my mind kind of changed because I thought Buffalo, you know, would, would really try to hammer this team, you know, coming off of two losses, not the case. Uh, I do have some concerns, you know, for Buffalo overall. It just seems like you know, it's like one of those, you know, it seems like they took like a gut punch and they, and they don't, they're not playing confident right now. They're not playing with that swagger that they had in the beginning of the year. I give their, their defense a little bit of credit today that, you know, they stepped up, they stepped up against the Jets and, you know, they allowed 10 points. And, and that's one thing that I think that's one thing that we could take away, maybe positive for, for Buffalo. But, you know, really besides, besides that, I didn't see you know, a whole lot in the game. Allen was a whole hell of a lot more accurate than he's been in the last two games, which is good. But again, didn't get in the end zone. Buffalo was flagged a ton today. Um, that really hurt them. I think it was the flags that kind of just bogged them down. But uh, it was just a boring game overall. It was one that I didn't watch. I figured I'll just look at the box score, you know, scoreboard watch. Didn't see a whole lot with that one. What'd you get? Yeah, this was a really ugly game. I, I mentioned it uh, on on Twitter earlier this evening, I was like, oh man, that was ugly, but I cashed my best bet ticket from the, from the preview pod was a teaser, uh, getting the bills, the minus six, which we absolutely needed to have that cash. So we snuck that in there with the chargers uh, minus two. So I was happy to get that win, but uh, I went personally one and two with my props on this game. Uh, we lost on the digs over receiving yards. This was 75 and a half. And we lost on the Davis over receiving yards, which I, I believe was 46 and a half. And like you said, Cole Beasley stole all the thunder here, which is actually surprising because the Jets have one of the better slot cornerbacks uh, in uh, Brian Poole. And Cole Beasley actually had the worst matchup coming into this game in terms of the numbers. But you know he had the best day overall. And I think it's it's kind of hard to, to use those type of defensive stats when you're talking about an unconventional quarterback uh, in Josh Allen who's not going to – 
he's not he's not going to check down and do the do the same things as a standard stationary quarterback would do. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be unpredictable in terms of certain matchups. Sometimes who who winds up standing out besides Stephon Diggs, who's kind of locked into that number one role. So uh, we did win the Devin Singletary prop. I gave that out. It was on DraftKings. It was under 15 and a half carries. I believe Singletary had. Uh, I don't know if he had ten. He had eight carries in this game, and which is what I predicted that he was going to split the carries with Zach Moss. I thought it was going to be in a blowout, but look for Zach Moss to possibly be taking over this backfield sleepy sooner than later. He had seven carries for forty-seven yards, averaged six point seven yards per carry, had a nice twenty-six yard run. Singletary had eight carries for twenty-nine yards, which is three point six yards per carry. So literally almost half of what Moss did. And if you take away Singletary's long run of twelve yards. He had seven carries for 17 yards. He has not been efficient over these last couple weeks. He, he's not looking like he did for, for those couple weeks where he really flashed. So I'm, I'm looking to buy into Moss as a deeper league target stash in my bench. The role could continue to grow. He's being involved in the receiving game. He's being used as the red zone goal line back for the Bills, which adds a lot of value in fantasy as well. So that's pretty much all I got here. I think the Bills were in kind of a look-ahead spot, you know, because they're, they're, they're hosting the Patriots. They're minus four against New England next week at home. Um, and you know, this was a Jets team they already beat. You know, they were coming off the two losses in prime time, but it's like, ah, well, the, you know, the Jets are without Crowder, whatever. We can we can take care of things, and, and the Jets showed up and played well, and, and they were competitive. And it is what it is. So that's that's kind of my takeaways. There is I, I li- I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Moss, and I'm kind of just throwing this game to the side for the Bills. They were just kind of lazy and sleepwalking through this game. Is what it seemed like to me. I saw Crowder was scratched from the game. Do you have any information on him? Like, was he a late scratch or was he, you know? kind of scheduled to be out because I did see he didn't he didn't play today yeah I think Crowder the last couple weeks Crowder's been listed as questionable late in the week and I think that he was ruled out on Friday or Saturday officially for this game so he was trending towards not playing like midway towards the end of the week there and uh, you know what was impressive actually is that the rookie out of Baylor Denzel Mims they spent a high draft pick on him he actually led the team in receiving only with 42 yards four catches but that was impressive to see uh, him stepping up and, and kind of pushed Brashad Perriman to the side, who who flashed last week in his first game back from injury. So, you know, LaMichael Piron and Frank Gore split the carries down the middle, both both 11 carries apiece. And, you know, if you, if you were to bet, you know, Frank Gore under rushing yards, it was actually Piron who had the under because they both had 11 carries. Piron only had 39 yards. And this Bills run defense has been pretty exploitable, too. So, uh, so if the Patriots have any success against the Bills next week, it's going to be by running the football. I, I don't know if there's necessarily any plays I like already in that game. That that might be a game I shy away from, from the prop side of things. Uh, but that that's kind of all. There's not really too much else you can take away from this game, in my opinion. All right, let's jump over to the Cowboys and the Washington Washington 25, Dalas 3. Andy Dalton looked like he suffered a, a concussion there. He was 9 for 19, 75 yards. Ben DiNucci came in. That might actually be their quarterback next week. Uh, not a whole lot to take, you know, from from, you know, from the Dallas side. I mean, it's it's another loss. And if you guys have been listening to me, I've been trying to tell you, um, you know, just take the Eagles to go ahead and win the division. And I said if Philly won the last game and Dallas, you know, lost this one, um, that you that you have to make that bet. And I think you still, you know, you still have to make it. Philly was plus one hundred five before the Dallas game went off, so I'm guessing they're probably going to be somewhere around minus one thirty. But I think you have to go ahead and play Philly. Um, at, at some capacity, uh, Chris, you tell me because I was I was really pissed about this one today. I had JD McKissick over 
his receiving yards. And it turned out where, like, I think it was like maybe might have been the first driver, first driver, too. He had two catches, 16 yards. And I saw he only had five carries, and Peyton Barber ended up with 10. Did he get hurt or something? Because I'm like, what the hell happened to McKissick? Like, I thought I was going to hit that for sure. Like, I thought I was way, way on pace from the beginning of the game. So I don't know what happened with him. Uh, Obviously, I needed McLaurin today. Uh, He had a great game, seven catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. He really helped my fantasy league. And uh, your boy Gibson, uh, he had a really big game today, too. So uh, it looked like, I don't know, man, Washington's live. I mean, they're they're a pretty good team uh, overall. Dallas, you just can't mess with. But if you could touch on McKissick, what the hell happened to him today? Because that was one of the props that I was just – that one really irritated me. Okay, so, yeah, no – so we both got that wrong because I, I bet I gave those both out in the profs article and I thought if anything, this would be a more of a competitive type of game sleepy, but this is, this is like the one thing I try to learn the most from is assuming too much into game scripts week by week, because you got to say, okay, how does this, I like this prop play. How does this prop play fail? What are the ways that could lead to failure? And one of the ways when you're talking about a running back catching passes is if the team gets out to a monster lead because then they just need to run the ball and they don't need to check down. You see check downs when teams are trailing more often than not. And Washington has been trailing more often than not this season. I think this is the first game they've, they, this, this, this entire year, this is the first game uh, that they've actually led by multiple touchdowns. So that immediately took Gibson and uh, McKissick out of the receiving game there. Gibson only had one target, McKissick had two targets in this game, uh, and, and they were just running the ball and running the clock out. I mean, Gibson looked great. He had 20 carries, 128 yards, ripped off a long run of 40 yards, averaged 6.4 yards per carry on the day. Uh, so what I like from Gibson is that they're continuing to trust him in different ways. They've been giving him more receiving work over the last couple of weeks in negative game scripts, and now in their first positive game script, they give him 20 carries, which is more than half of the team's carries overall in the day. And I think Peyton Barber was just brought in late to kind of just grind clock out and, and get them the win. I think they had put in some backups at that point on both sides of the ball there. So uh, the Dallas defense is just that bad. And the fact that uh, Andy Dalton can't keep up or Danucci, whoever's going to be under center, it's both. It's going to be bad either way you look at it. And uh, you're, you're going to look to play running backs now over their rushing yards against the Cowboys because the, the Cowboys defense is going to allow so many points early and the Cowboys offense, they don't have Dak anymore. Dak was at least able to keep up somewhat and keep things interesting. But if the Cowboys are going to get steamboat, steamboat race like that every single week, then these other these opposing offenses, they're not going to need to check down. They're not going to need to throw much. I mean, we even got lucky in that sense by hitting McLaurin over. That was my favorite prop of the week because I thought the game was going to be competitive. So we still hit that prop. If this was a competitive game, I think McLaurin could have had almost double the receiving yards he had. So that's my main takeaway in terms of the process we go through each week is that game script is more often than not the number one killer of prop plays. And and this was the case in this game here. So good thing we hit McLaurin over. Uh, game script took us away and, and gave us the losses on the Gibson and, and McKissick receiving there. Yeah, I was shocked. That, and one of the reasons why I, I generally tend to think over when I'm looking at the lines, I'm like, okay, a one-point line. It should be a competitive game, and it was anything. But I don't think Dallas will probably be a favorite too much any, in, in the rest of the year. I, that team is just – I don't know, man. I, I think they might make a play for, for Trevor Lawrence, believe it or not. I just have a feeling that they that they, they they get rid of the – I think Jerry has to wake up, man. Like Mike McCarthy is not the coach, and I knew that You know when he was with the Packers. I'm like, dude, Aaron Rodgers is carrying this dead weight around. 
And look, credit to McCarthy. We won a, you know, we won a Super Bowl with the guy, but he's not a good head coach. I mean, he he, he it's well past um, his prime. Speaking of, you know, Green Bay, let's jump over to the Packer game. Packers get the win there today. They looked impressive behind Aaron Rodgers at four TDs, thirty-five to twenty over Houston. I was wrong, man, with freaking. I was wrong with Valdez Scantling. I mean, you want to talk about what really just pissed me off today? It was that. And you mentioned it, Chris. You know, when you have a guy like Devontae Adams, who's arguably, you know, the best wide receiver in the league, um, you know, he could end up taking a lot of touches away from from guys. But Scantling didn't do himself any favors today, dropping two two passes today. And I think Rodgers just – he had enough and he was fed up. And the fact that, you know, Adams was just murdering everybody. He had 16 targets, 13 catches, 196 yards, two TDs. I mean, why throw it anywhere else, you know? Like, I kind of – I, I wish I was on the right receiver, but I wasn't. Uh, I felt that my handicap was was solid. Scantling still got four targets in the game, but he came away with zero catches, zero yards. Uh, Jamal Williams, I think you had, I think you touched on him today, Chris. Yeah. That you liked him over, and I think you 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 tried to make sense of why AJ Dillon's rushing yards was so high um, that he didn't even get close to that. Houston didn't do a whole lot for me today. They they just they really didn't. Uh, I don't know if we take a look maybe at Cooks or Cobb. No, those guys have been getting a lot of targets, a lot of receptions the last two weeks. Uh, I did have Deshaun Watson in my fantasy, so he he you know had a pretty decent day, three hundred nine yards, two touchdowns. He didn't turn the ball over. Uh, Green Bay's tough, man. They're they're a tough team, and if Adams is freaking healthy and he's out there and Rodgers is you know dropping it into a bucket, man. Like I don't know. I'll, I'll I guess I'll make the claim now. I think Adams is the number one wide receiver in the league, and, and I feel pretty confident. I feel pretty confident in saying that. How'd you feel about that game after you saw it? Yeah, so uh, kind of another thought uh, thought on the whole process thing that we discussed we discussed in the last game with Washington and those running backs is with this game specifically. The more I looked into it, I really liked Valdez Scanling from the start of the week too, and, and the thought process was, and you brought it up too in your handicap, and I think it was solid was that. Bradley Roby and shadow coverage. Okay. So he's been, he's been limiting almost all the receivers he has covered. But the thing we have to keep in mind when we see, when we see these wide receiver defensive back matchups on paper is that shadow coverage cornerbacks almost never travel into the slot. And you, a lot of outside receivers, like a Will Fuller, he was shadowed for most of this game by, J, by Jair Alexander. Fuller had the touchdown, which saved his fantasy day, but he only had three catches for 35 yards on top of that. So Jair Alexander did a great job in shadow coverage, limiting Will Fuller in this game. Fuller had his touchdown catch in garbage time, no less. Okay, in this case, Devontae Adams, he is not your outside 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 type of, excuse me, outside type of deep receiver threat that just runs deep routes down the field. He actually used to be a specifically slot receiver in, in this offense before his role continued to grow, and they use him all over the field. So if you can be creative with your play calling and send your best receiver into the slot like the Cardinals can do with a DeAndre Hopkins, there's other guys in the league that can do this, then he's going to go away from Roby. And, and why certain teams also don't send their shadow coverage cornerbacks into the, into the slot – that, that, that's a whole other debate that we could discuss on a different podcast, but that's essentially what happened here is they, they forced uh, Devontae Adams into the slot, which took him away from Roby, which basically had him running free against linebackers all day in this game. And if you can get Devontae Adams in single coverage against a linebacker, then he's going to wind up with a game like he had today with 16 targets, you know, 13 catches for, you know, 2000 yards. So, um, 
Devontae Adams, he's the man. He's definitely one of the best in the game. We, we talked about that before the season, earlier in the season. And, uh, and yeah, that, that, that's my thoughts there. I was wrong on the Valdez Scanlon as well. And I was wrong because I assumed that Roby would be shadowing Adams the entire, the entire game without taking the other part that I just mentioned into consideration. And hopefully you listen to the live stream on Twitter if you're listening to this now. Uh, we gave out Jamal Williams because Aaron Jones was ruled out this morning. We gave out Jamal Williams over 55 and a half. He wound up with 77 yards. I also mentioned that A.J. Dillon, like you said, his rushing yards was too high. I was wondering I was wondering why Williams and Dillon were both the same. Uh, I did not make a play on Dillon under. In hindsight, I should have. Hindsight's obviously 20-20, but um, you know, that's my takeaway there. So just in terms of a little house cleaning here, Sleepy, like we do this recap pod every Sunday night. We do our preview pod every Wednesday night. We're going to talk about looking ahead to props, looking ahead to plays. Lines will change. Injuries will change. Even on our Money Picks pod that we record Friday night, some of the things that we say we like then, you know, that might change as well going into Sunday morning. So, um, you know, try to stay with us as we're we're kind of cleaning our thoughts throughout this entire process and finalizing those plays. So it starts now and it ends with our live stream Sunday morning. Sunday morning and and we're giving ourselves time to make those extra plays and everything else like that. So, you know, I I know I kind of rambled a little bit there, but that's my overall process on how you should be viewing what we're putting out and how to make the best plays yourself just as a better. All right. Good stuff on that one. Let's jump over to Tampa Bay and the Raiders. Tampa Bay ended up, I mean, they, they look good on the road today. Tom Brady had 369 yards, four TDs. They get a 45 to 20 win. And the Raiders, you know, they kind of gave Tampa a little bit of trouble. But, you know, one thing I've noticed with this Tampa team, give them a little bit of time and then they're going to adjust. They're going to adjust offensively. They're going to adjust defensively. And then eventually, you know, they kind of just bog you down. And that's kind of what happened with the Raiders here. I mean, Carr looked good early. I think the rushing attack for, you know, really for the Raiders was in question going into this game. Jacobs had just 17 yards in this game. I think that was a big hurt for them. Nelson Aguilar had a really good game today. And I had actually targeted him when I went and I was going through player props. I picked Nelson Aguilar to score two TDs. Now, that would have been like a monster payout. But the fact that he ended up with one early, I was excited about that. But I was not excited that Hunter Renfro, you know, didn't even have – I don't think he had a catch in the first half, Chris. But you and I had talked about, you know, looking at Renfro over – receive or receptions and it was three and a half plus 130 and I'm guessing that because I went to sleep I was so aggravated with coaching today I was aggravated with uh scantling I was just aggravated with a bunch of shit today and then I noticed that Renfro actually he went over his receptions today so I was happy about that but I think the story of the game was Tom Brady you know really just slinging it all over the place uh getting a lot of guys involved Godwin came back he had a big game Scotty Miller's back he had a, a big game today uh, Gronk again. I think the the story, and you had mentioned it, is when Fournette's going to play, is, is Rojo going to end up, you know, somewhat limited, splitting, or is he eventually going to get taken over? Now, Fournette had a big game today. He had 47 yards in the receiving game. He had six catches. He had 50 yards on the ground. Uh, didn't hit the end zone, but, you know, that worries me because I, I, I have Jones in my fantasy league. Uh, overall, as I said, I saw a little bit of the first half. I, I just got disgusted and turned it off once I saw Renfro didn't have a catch. And uh, your boy that you mentioned, Waller, you know, he had a bunch of catches today. So I was like, ah, man, I'm like, Chris was right on that one. But some way, somehow, I cashed that one. I guess I got lucky with that one. But 
the Bucks are impressive, man. They're they're playing well. Um, I don't know. That's pretty much what I took out of that one. Um, really, nothing really to say anything else on that one. Yeah. So we uh, we hit our prop with the Josh Jacobs under. I said I would play that down to about sixty on the podcast uh, Friday night in the Money Picks Pod, and he wound up with ten carries for seventeen yards. Uh, so that that was that was an easy cash right there, uh, as easy as you can get at least. And then. With Darren Waller, it's not a play that I made personally, but I figured he would be the biggest beneficiary of this matchup because Derek Carr was going to need the check down, and this Bucks defense is just so tough that at least he's an athlete that can make those plays and go up for those one-on-one type of con- contested catch throws. So other than that, yeah, man, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to bet a Ronald Jones prop again because three weeks ago, before he ripped off three straight games of 100 yards, I bet the over on his prop and lost that. Then this week, I finally bet it again. I gave that out late on the article. And then so I basically bet the overs in between at the front and end of when he had three straight 100-yard games. I didn't bet any of the overs when he had those three straight games. So just as I was buying in, Bruce Arians brings the dog collar back on, throws it over Rojo, and it's like, you know what? We're not going to make you our lead running back. And this is the thing with Ronald Jones and Bruce Arians going back to last season when Arians took over. I don't know what it is, Sleepy. He's the more talented back than Fournette, but – the box score, the usage won't tell you that because Fournette out-targeted Ronald Jones 7-2 to two in this game. You know, they almost had the exact same amount of carries. So it's tough if you have Rojo and you were expecting to start to ride him out. I mentioned this morning on the live stream, I was like, I don't know if I can trust it. And you were kind of like, you know, oh, you know, Rojo's the guy. And I was like, yeah, he, he, you, know, you, know, you know what, you're right because the eye test. But here's the problem is that you're to expect good coaching is a mistake. Like you mentioned, Sleepy, we, we, we often get so frustrated with the play calling, with the usage from certain guys and with the coaching. So to assume rational coaching is one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a prop player, as a better, as a fantasy owner. And uh, that's the reason why I lost that prop today. Uh, you know, we, we evened out with the Jacobs under. So that was good there. Uh, other than that, I mean, not too much else to see. Uh, Mike Evans, man, like if you haven't gotten rid of him yet or sold him based off his name value and fantasy, like what are you waiting for? Because this guy's just not going to be a featured part of this offense. Chris Godwin's going to be the guy, if anything, who's going to flash week to week. And uh, I'm impressed with what I've seen from Brady, man. He he can still sling it around, and he's had some really good games this year. He surprised me overall, and I'll be moving him up my weekly rankings based off this performance for sure. You know, one of the things that, that I think about with the Buccaneers is the fact that they have a lot of mouths to feed. And if you go back to I mean, – let's just go back to, you know, last week, the week before, and the week before that, you know, Fournette was banged up. Godwin was banged up. And maybe this was the game to say, you know, we, we got to work these guys in because when it comes time for, you know, later in the year, later in the playoffs, you know, we have to make sure that these guys are included into, you know, the game plan, included into the playbook. And maybe we stay away from Mike today. Maybe we stay away from Ronald today. Maybe we go and give those guys a break because, you know, they've been hauling rear end, you know, the last couple of weeks. And maybe it was just one of those situations where, you know, we got to get Fournette in. We got to get him into the playbook. You know, we got to get Godwin back in with you because those guys missed time and Scotty Miller. I think maybe that was a, you know, maybe that was the situation why, you know, Ronald Jones and Evans kind of had down days today and why the other guys had big days. But, you know, this Tampa Bay playbook, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be massive. I think there's going to be a point in which it's going to be really hard to pick any of these guys at some particular point because, you know, you got Bray out there, you got Godwin, you got Miller, you got Fournette, you got Gronk, you got Rojo. I mean, there's just a lot of mouths to feed. So I think, you know, right now, I think personally that 
well, I didn't have a player prop in that game um, for for anybody on Tampa, but I would just be worried with them spreading it around a lot. I think if if that was their if that was their thought process going into today, that hey, it's the Raiders, we could probably take this team. You know, they're not that good on defense. I wouldn't. I would be a little worried, maybe going ahead and playing Fournette next week, and I would be me personally. I would be a little afraid to go ahead and and, and you know fade Mike Evans. Maybe dumping them on your fantasy league, as Chris had mentioned, make, makes a lot of sense. But maybe player prop wise, we just be careful, you know, with with these breakout type of games uh, from from a lot of these receivers. That's just kind of how I feel, Chris. Do, do you think there is a possibility that there might have been some of that going on today? Well, there, there's definitely too many mouths to feed, and you're not going to get 45 pass attempts from Tom Brady on a weekly basis here. They're more often than not going to try to run the ball and win it with their defense. So the, the Raiders had a couple good drives, which kept it competitive for most of the game until late in the second half. So because of that, you saw the high usage from a guy like Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin. But when all these guys are getting production, like I said, Miller, Godwin, Gronkowski, Fournette, six catches, uh, even Tyler Johnson with a touchdown catch, and you're looking at Mike Evans with two targets. He had the same amount of targets as Ty, uh, Tyler Johnson and Ronald Jones. So you got to sell based off the name value. Someone out there in your league, I guarantee it, maybe he's a Bucks fan. I don't know. He's going to be high on Mike Evans. He's going to think that there's a bounce back coming. Uh, if there is, it's not, it's not going to be consistent week to week. So don't just cut him. Unless you're in a 10-team league, maybe in a 10-team league because there's so many great guys on waivers, I would consider cutting him. But if you're in a standard 12, team league or deeper trade him for somebody like trade him for a running back with upside maybe like a jk dobbins who's on a buy this week maybe um like a james robinson even though james robinson had 30 plus fantasy points this week and you might not be able to pull off that deal anymore but you probably would have been able to do it last week so that's kind of the idea of like selling based off a name even though he's had low production maybe versus a younger unproven guy who the owner might just have on their bench and, and, you know, they haven't really been starting them. So that's how I'm looking at it with Mike Evans. Try to get something in return rather than just cutting him. Ex- explore your options as much as you can there. All right. Good stuff on that one. All right. Let's jump over to Kansas city and Denver, uh, Kansas city today. They I mean, even in a snowy covered field. Now it wasn't blizzard conditions, but uh, it was freaking bone chattering cold out there. Uh, they get a big win today, 43 to 16. Uh, Denver was kind of just up against it. I mean, Denver looked like they played well, um, you know, for like the entire first half. But their defense, just they couldn't do anything against Mahomes and, and that rushing attack uh, for Kansas City. I know there was – I think there was a pick six in there that, that happened as well. Uh, I don't know, man. I had I had Hamler to go ahead and score a touchdown. That didn't happen. But I did get that one rush that I thought he would end up getting. They didn't hand the ball off to him. So I wasn't, I mean, it was nine to one that I was going to get him in the end zone. So I knew it was a, I knew it was tough. Uh, I didn't take a whole lot out of that game, Chris. It was one that I, you know, I more or less slept through that one too, uh, because I just, I kind of needed to, I don't know what you got out of that game. Melvin Gordon ended up going over his rushing yards, but again, you know, he split carries with Lindsay. I mean, he almost doubled him up, but Lindsay again, 79 yards on nine rushes. I don't know what to make of that. I, I, I would assume that Denver is going to end up probably continuously, you know, going ahead and yeah. splitting. I think that's probably what's going to end up happening there. As far as Kansas City is concerned, I don't have really anything to say with them. I mean, they were, even though they put up forty three points today, I mean, they were they were pretty pedestrian across the board. Uh, that's about really all I have in that one. I guess yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Yeah. Uh, so Philip Lindsay actually left the game early. I think uh, in the third quarter, he had a concussion. He, he got banged up pretty hard on a play. So he actually was uh, uh, out carrying Melvin Gordon to that point. So uh, Melvin Gordon was on track to get the under on his rush on his rushing total for that game until Lindsay went down. Then what, what, what the usage was before that, and we talked about this before coming into the season even, is that they might split the carries 50-50, but Melvin Gordon is the featured passing down back. And he's also he's also the featured inside the 10, inside the 20 goal line back as well. So you're going to get a lot more PPR value in fantasy with Melvin Gordon than a Philip Lindsay. I was rostering them both on, on, on one of my leagues because uh, Gordon was questionable coming into the week. He was obviously the whole DUI thing, then the illness he had last week. So I, I had started Lindsay last week, but going into this week, I needed to put an extra guy on my bench for the future for bye weeks coming up. And I just I just dropped Lindsay because I was like, you know what? The last thing you want to do is be starting both of these guys together, having two running backs kind of cannibalize each other on, on, on a low power type of offense like Denver. So, you know, Lindsay's going to be the between the 20s guy, which doesn't really yield too many fantasy opportunities, even though his yards per carry and rushing total might be pretty decent on paper. So that, that's kind of my thoughts there. And then overall, besides this, uh, the rookie Albert O at tight end, even with Noah Fant back in this game, I don't know if they were just easing Noah Fant back into this, but uh, Albert O and Noah Fant both had seven targets to lead the team. So Drew Locke targeted his two tight ends 14 times in this game. Maybe we start to see more two tight end sets because Albert O was a pretty heralded guy as a prospect coming into this draft class. And him and Drew Locke actually played together in college. So that's another thing to look out for. You can't deny the talent of Noah Fan either, even though he had a down game. He might be a buy-low guy coming off a couple injuries with a with a down game this week. Uh, I lost the prop on Drew Locke under passing yards. It was just that the Chiefs just got so far ahead. I thought maybe they'd be up by two scores late. They were up by like four or five, six scores late. They even put Chad Henney in the game. And because of that, they had defensive backups in. They were playing extremely soft, zone kind of prevent coverage. And Drew Locke was able to rack up garbage time stats. But I think somewhere in the third quarter, he, he I believe he had about 100 or less yards uh, more than halfway through the game. So I think the process was right with the underplay. It just didn't hit. The, the, game, the game script just got way too out of hand there. Uh, other than that, there's not really too much to say from the Chiefs side except that I feel lucky to not own any shares of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now, Sleepy. He had eight carries. Le'Veon Bell had, had six carries in his first game with the team. Le'Veon Bell averaged more yards per carry. And the surprising thing is, is that uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had four targets and Le'Veon Bell had no targets. I don't think that's going to be the same way each week. Le'Veon Bell will be used in the passing game at some point. Maybe he just needs to learn the pass blocking schemes and plays of this team a little more. So this could be a legit 50-50 split. I don't want to get too carried away from this game, but uh, if you're a Clyde Edwards-Alaire owner, uh, I'd be a little worried and maybe trying to sell high because he did score a touchdown in this game. All right, solid stuff in that one. Let's jump over to – this was one of the easiest games for me to go ahead and pick. I like San Francisco a lot today on the road. They get a 33-6 win over New England. Uh, I'll just start out with this, Chris, and I'll throw it to you. Cam Newton stinks. The Patriots stink. Uh, Regardless of what you think, this team's 2-4. and They're just not a good football team offensively, defensively. They just have way too many missing pieces, way too many new bodies in there. They're they're trying to – I mean, look, give give Belichick credit, dude. He's a mastermind. But it's tough to put – it's tough to play chess, and I said this before, when you just don't have the pieces. What did you see from that San Fran Patriots game? Wow, that's uh, a lot. I mean, to me, it was Cam Newton who stuck out in this game uh, because – 
I mean, the 49ers defense is good, but they, they still have a lot of injuries on the, on that unit there. And they have been exploited by other offenses who aren't even that great this year. So I don't want to run through uh, all the examples here, but Cam Newton outside of the primetime game against Seattle in week two, where he had 397 passing yards and we were all starting to kind of ooh and ah over Cam Newton. Uh, the three games since 162 passing yards, 157 passing yards, and then 98 passing yards today. His passing attempts and completions have all gone down in four consecutive weeks since that game as well. And he's now had under 165 passing yards under that amount in four out of five games this year. So going up against the Bills next week, a divisional opponent, we talked about how the Bills run defense can be exploited. Uh, I don't know if we just start to try to uh, almost, I don't want to say blind bet, I hate to use that term, but... Sleepy, do we start the blind bet Cam Newton passing unders because he just does not look comfortable there? And does he run the risk of getting benched if he continues to this to be this inefficient under I center? I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots continue to lose. I, I, I don't think any of us thought they were going to be 2-4 and four this year. Well, maybe Bernie Fratto did. I give a shout-out to Bernie on Twitter because before the season started, he was very adamant that the Bucks would be contenders this year and the Pats would be pretenders. And I disagreed with him at the time, but he was definitely spot on. So shout-out to Bernie for that, you know, more a very solid take or, or more than solid take to say, to say the least, uh, you know, seven weeks through the season now. And, you know, I mentioned Shanahanigans on the podcast last week. That's what you call the running back situation for a Shanahan coach team, whether it was Mike Shanahan, the father, whether it's Kyle Shanahan, now the son. We all thought it was either going to be McKinnon or Hasty in this game. No, nope, it's Jeff Wilson, three touchdowns, 112 yards. He was even using the passing game, had two targets, two catches, uh, unfortunately, uh, Jeff Wilson, who came into this game coming off an injury, wound up being carted off the field, I believe, in the third quarter. They say it's a high ankle sprain. So now you have Mostert out. Now you have Coleman still on IR. Now, now you have Wilson most likely going to IR, at least in the short term. So now all we have left now is Jarek McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty. And you look at the splits of when they when they came in and played. McKinnon continuing to struggle massively. Three carries for negative one yard. And what does Hasty do? Averages 6.3 yards per carry. Nine carries, 57 yards, had a long gain of 20 yards on the ground. Also had a catch for 16 yards. Whereas McKinnon, who we look at as a receiving back, didn't have a single target in this game. So uh, I'm not, I, I can't trust of the, the running back usage yet, but... And, and we talked about buying into rational coaching. Rational coaching would say that Hasty's going to be the guy, at least in the short term until Mostert comes back. Uh, will they continue to give McKissick, I mean, sorry, not McKissick, but McKinnon work in certain areas of the field? Maybe. Uh, that's the real interesting part here because Hasty got rave reviews from coaches in the offseason. He's an undrafted free agent out of Baylor. Look up to Michael Hasty's tape on YouTube. Just watch some of his highlights. The dude is explosive. And I think the only reason he hasn't gotten much run yet is just because he might not be too familiar with like the pass blocking schemes either, whereas McKinnon's more of a veteran guy there. So I kind of went on a long run about those guys. But if you can stash Hasty on your bench in fantasy, please do it if he's still available on waivers because he could wind up being the next Raheem Mostert. Or maybe he fades back into, into obscurity, but I think it's worth taking the shot to see how it plays out. Yeah, I was actually quite shocked at McKinnon. I mean, it was like he virtually wasn't even in the game today. And I don't even think a lot of the game script ended up, you know, factoring into that. I mean, seemed like like 
you know, San Fran kind of just was like, I'll let everybody rip and run today. But he just wasn't involved in that one. Ayuk had a great game today, 115 yards. Uh, he's really stepped up. I think San Fran has, I think they have figured out, you know, that they have their two wide receivers in Ayuk and Samuel. Then they also have Kittle. You know, if they could just go ahead and keep a healthy running back and get to get their defense back in, in order, you know, that's going to be a tough team again. They're, they're going to end up surging here. You know, at some point, they're just going to have to go ahead and keep playing the way that they've played you know, the last couple of weeks, and I think they'll be okay. Uh, Cam Newton, as I mentioned, you know, he stinks. Um, I, I, I misfired on him today. I thought for sure, you know, after he had talked about, you know, he needs to be better, da-da-da-da-da, whatever, you know, all throughout the week, I'm guessing we're going to see the same thing. I don't, I wouldn't even interview the guy because it's just a waste of time. It's, he spends more time in his wardrobe than he does playing quality football. Uh, I, I again, I think New England probably they end up. My gut feeling says they dump him next year um, because they're they're not going to be able to go in and reload this entire team. Uh, unfortunately, I think that maybe Tom Brady saw the writing on the wall that New England's going to have to go ahead and tear down, and it, it might be a year or two before they uh, you know go ahead and get back. Obviously, their coaching's elite, but they just simply just don't have the playmakers to go ahead and be. You know, a team that, that really puts should put any fear uh, in anybody for the rest of the season. Let's jump over to our final game here, Chris. You got the Jaguars at the Chargers. Chargers 39. Herbert looked good again. I don't think you could take anything away from him. Um, he, he had a couple big rushes today. I mean, fantasy-wise, he was a stud. He had four total touchdowns today. He ended up with like 40 points or something like that. But, you know, the one play that you and I identified this morning, we, we like Keenan Allen over receptions. Uh, that was easy. Uh, he had 10 catches today for 125 yards. Uh, again, I missed probably like the entire second half of this game, so I didn't necessarily see what went on. Uh, I see Chenault had three catches, so he was one. He had one more than he than he had last week. Uh, we had mentioned Chris about the the running backs for the Chargers going ahead and maybe going over the receptions, and you know Justin Jackson had five, and I believe. Joshua Kelly had five. So both guys actually went over there. Uh, the only, I guess the highlight for, for Jacksonville was, was Robinson, obviously. Um, trying to think of what else I took out of that game. Now, not really too much because I ended up going to ended up going to sleep there. Uh, what else there? Anything else? Nah, that's about it. I mean, that's a pretty good football team. I can't wait till Echo comes back. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I, you know what? I, I think they're still fine without him. I, he's a great player, obviously, but you know, combining Justin Jackson uh, and Joshua Kelly together, I think they can get by. And, and we talked about their schedule as being by low for fantasy a couple weeks ago before they went into their bye week. And I mentioned on the podcast when I gave out my best bet teaser with the Bills and the Chargers this week on the preview pod, is as I said that, hey, look, the Chargers are they might be one in four. But trust me, this is one of the better one in four teams you've ever seen. And this is probably the best quarterback I've ever seen who's come into the NFL and lost his first four consecutive starts in Justin Herbert because he has been great in all of those games and the losses are not on him by any means. So they're two and four now, and now you're seeing seven playoff seeds available. And you look at the Chargers' upcoming schedule, Sleepy, they're playing at the Broncos. I think that's definitely a matchup they can win. I think they're the better team there. Then they're at home against the Raiders, at Miami, home against the Jets. So, you know, I'm not saying they're just going to rip off four more consecutive wins and go to a five-game winning streak here, but I think that's within the realm of possibilities here, or at least finishing this stretch, including this week of going four and one, and all of a sudden you're looking at a five and five team. So I think the Chargers are live in play. I don't know if there's any 
Um, I wanted to mention this last last week. It just slipped through the cracks. That if you can still even now at two and four of Chargers to make the playoff props, I don't know if those are available. You could probably be better telling me than that on that one. But I think that could be a, a play considering what the odds might be there. Uh, just some random thoughts there. And then you, you mentioned it with Keenan Allen. The, the five and a half was way too low. And I mentioned on the prop article where I put it was that we needed to take advantage of the fact that Keenan Allen finished with only two catches in an island game against the Saints, but he left the game with a back injury. But it wasn't a serious back injury. It turned out to only be back spasms. So I was like, let's take advantage of the market because Keenan Allen could have finished that game with 10 catches. Then coming into this game, his over-under on receptions would have been like seven and a half. So we were able to take advantage of that. And he, I think he had five or six catches in the first half alone. So that, that was definitely a solid play. Uh, and I felt like my other two plays were solid. We won on James Robinson over three receptions. I was surprised that number was low on DraftKings as well. Uh, but he had come into this game with at least three catches in five straight games and at least four catches in four straight games. And there was no Chris Thompson in this game. So I thought that was actually a really good play. Uh, and James Robinson was a bell cow. He was a great fantasy asset today. I, I couldn't even fit him into one of my fantasy lineups. So he was blowing up on my bench. I wish I would have had those points in one of my leagues. But uh you know, James Robinson's a good player. And if Chris Thompson's not there, look to exploit that reception because he's already involved in the receiving game, but he's going to be 100% involved in the receiving game if Chris, if, if Chris Thompson ever misses time again for the Jaguars there. So that's, that's kind of my overall uh, thought process there. You want to still be buying these Chargers weapons. And this is what I mentioned before about our schedule of content and our process here is that on the Money Picks pod, we both talked about Mike Williams over on receiving yards. But I want people listening to know that my official official plays are going to be the ones I put out in the article by Sunday morning every single week. I track those records. I put in my time, my research. I do write-ups on every single play that I give out for those, and I try to make it as high quality as possible. We're, we're 50-50. We're 500 on our prop plays from the article this week, but coming into this week, out of five weeks, we've had, we've had four winning weeks and one losing week. So you know the time we're putting in, you know, by the time by the time I got around to writing that and I had looked at more information, I faded Mike Williams and I did not give that play out because I started looking at the numbers of him on the field with Keenan Allen. When Keenan Allen is out, Mike Williams balls out. When Keenan Allen is in the lineup, Mike Williams kind of fades into obscurity himself. So uh, I just want people to know that even though we're talking about things we like on a Friday night, stay with us. Look at our Twitter, see what we're putting out in the Prop Plays article, and by Sunday morning, you know, tune into the live stream. And you'll be you'll be in lockstep with us on our best official plays as we go throughout this grind throughout the week. So so that's kind of how I'm going to leave it there. All right. Well, good stuff this week, Chris. A lot of work. I certainly appreciate all the hard work that you did and everybody else, you know, going ahead and contributing to the podcast, putting up all the articles on bettingpredators.com. Uh, I mean, we, we just we've been pumping out a lot of quality content and, you know, we've had great results. I didn't have great results today. Uh, the four o'clock games kind of helped me out. Otherwise, it could have been it could have been a, a pretty miserable day. Uh, but again, you know, there were a lot of pizza bet stuff that I kind of gave out today. But overall, I think the uh, I think what I got out of today is there's a lot of bad coaches in the NFL. Uh, overall, uh, I noticed that the one o'clock games went on a went on a pretty good run of under today. So you know, the overbetters they were cashing left and right. And look, you know, the weather's changing. Teams have some game tape now. I think that you're going to start seeing those totals probably creep down a little bit. I don't think we're going to see, you know, a ton of fifties like we've been seeing uh, each and every week. Tomorrow night, we got Chicago uh, at the Rams. That should be a pretty good game. 
Uh, but with that said, that that's it for the podcast. We'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Hopefully you guys made some money this week. Hopefully you guys, I, I don't know how we did on our best bets, Chris, on our podcast, but I think we did. I think we did pretty good. I saw a lot of guys saying that they won. So uh, that's a good thing. So hopefully if you guys followed those, you guys made some cash. But that's a wrap for this podcast. That's a wrap for NFL Week 7. I uh, hope you guys did well. I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me at Sleepy J underscore pregame. You can get Chris Dell at Mad Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Guys, we'll be back NFL Week 8 Wednesday night. And I'm sure Uncle Dave and I will do again our college football podcast, which I believe we actually did quite well again this week with that. Uh, we also have uh, the Masters is going to be coming up here soon. We got Halloween coming up. Hopefully everybody's safe. And uh, that's a wrap. That's all we got. We'll talk to you guys later.